Are you ready to lighten up, tighten up, shed, and shred? With plant-based protein, antioxidant fruits, organic greens and veggies, plus gut health, for a fraction of the cost you are already spending. This super 30-day program may support you to build muscle, burn fat, reset metabolism, lift brain fog, increase productivity, break addictions, nourish, detoxify, and cleanse. Are you ready to look and feel your best? Replace 60 organic meals for only $11 a day with live, organic, non-GMO superfood nutrition delivered right to your door. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to superfoodswithjen.com. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. This is Jen and it is great to be with you all today. We call it blending business and politics for a reason because so much of what we're dealing with to be successful in life today is impacted by policies made by government officials that we either elect or don't. (laughs) Some of them just end up there and we're stuck with their decision making or it may be because in business the things that I'm doing are impacted by decisions made by government officials uh, like we've gone through over this past year and a half with with the COVID. But when you look at election integrity, which is what we're going to talk about today, this has a far-reaching impact because the question I ask of you as you're listening today to our guest is, does the person who's elected represent you? And if you didn't vote for them, That's kind of okay. Well, you didn't get your man in or woman. But if you did vote for them and they don't represent you, we've got a problem, don't we? So then the question is, are the people who are in office today supposed to be there? Did they rightfully earn that level of leadership, responsibility, and frankly, authority and dominion over us? Now, they're supposed to represent our wishes. We, the people, are supposed to be in charge. But that is definitely not what's going on today. So if we look right now, Governor Hogan, and I voted for him twice, they are sending their health minions door to door, coming to a neighborhood near you. Now, if we voted for Hogan, (laughs) shame on us. If we didn't vote for Hogan, Well, you might have had the right answers and the rest of us hadn't figured it out yet. I don't know what the answer is, but the point is, in election integrity, we have a responsibility to make sure that the people we voted for are the people who are serving us. And they got there rightfully, one man or woman and one vote. So I'd like to introduce my guest today is Zach Smith from the Heritage Foundation. Zach is a fellow with the uh, Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, who has served as an assistant U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Florida. Prior to that, he was in private practice, and he also brings experience working at the United States Courts of Appeal, Court of Appeals, which is very interesting because right now in this judicial, um, I'll say, nightmare that we're in, oftentimes the courts are not doing what I think they should be doing in terms of representing the law and and fulfilling on it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. 
Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, it's great to have you. And so let's just start with, why are you at the Heritage Foundation? I love the Heritage Foundation. And and by the way, to my listeners, you know, we've been very blessed to have many speakers on here from Heritage. It's been a little while, but please do support the organization. They need our support to keep getting great people like Zach and the information that they provide to the communities. So Zach, why Heritage Foundation? Well, well, thank you so much for those kind words, Jen. That really means a lot. Uh, but look, you know, unfortunately, we're facing many public policy crises today. You know, look no further than the national news or the nightly news. You know, turn on your computer or your phone. You'll see it's just a never-ending flood of crises. And right now, uh, a lot of the debate taking place is taking place in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, uh, in different executive branch agencies. They're trying to push their authority in unprecedented ways. And so one of the reasons I came to the Heritage Foundation and one of the things I appreciate about being at the Heritage Foundation, uh, we here were able to engage in those policy debates and really push back uh, against many of those very dangerous policies, dangerous ideas that are coming out of the Hill right now, that are coming out of the Biden administration, and really offer uh, conservative alternatives uh, to those uh, ideas and plans and really help to to drive the conversation in a way that I think uh, will ultimately make our country safer and more free uh, going forward. So, you know, when you look at this election that transpired, and I had the privilege of having Liz Harrington on with me a couple weeks ago, and she, of course, is the press secretary for President Donald J. Trump right now. And, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, people think that the they tried they flipped the narrative on us. Right. They they tried to say that the insurrection happened on January 6th. And I said, no, the insurrection happened on November 3rd. How do we start to right this ship? And I, you know, it's a loaded question, but I think that, you know, we're, we're getting ready to go into an election audit here in Maryland. There's a belief that four of the counties, at least, it doesn't even include Baltimore City, which is fraught with uh, former past issues that we know of, um, but Harford, Anne Arundel, uh, Carroll County and Frederick County are all being scrutinized right now, at least, around the election integrity numbers because the voter rolls grew from 1.1 to 2 percent standard kind of growth to 34 to 37 percent in this last election cycle. So we're we're concerned about that here. Sure, absolutely. And you should be concerned about it. You know, one of the things that I find to be particularly troublesome, particularly unfortunate, is election integrity really should be a bipartisan issue. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a third party or an independent, everyone should want free, safe, secure elections. And I think we saw in 2020, there were a lot of ad hoc changes being made on the fly to election rules and procedures in many states. Uh, Who could vote, where they could vote, how they could vote was being changed uh, at the last minute. There were obviously problems uh, in some states with the uh, vote tabulation and counting procedures. 
And so I do think it's very important going forward for 2022 in the midterm elections, and then especially in 2024 with the upcoming presidential elections, to really make sure that we don't have a repeat of the 2020 election cycle where there are so many uh, changes uh, to the voting rules and procedures, uh, both before and after the election, and that going into these elections, uh, we really make sure that there are clear rules of the road that apply equally to everyone and that those rules aren't changed at the last minute uh, before or in some cases it happened during 2020, even during the election after votes had already been been cast. Well, and, you know, one thing I want to remind people is the general election is not a partisan election. It's intended that anybody can vote for anyone. And it's meant so that, you know, there were Democrats, plenty of them, who voted for Trump in the general. So, you know, I think I think we lose sight of that. We think, well, it's it like you said, it's a it should not be a partisan issue. Well, that nor should like the general election. It should be allowed that people can vote for whom they choose. And you don't get to flip those votes around. So you you get the outcome that you want. Well, that that's exactly right. And so unfortunately, I think we're seeing uh, a false narrative being pushed in many segments of the media and many segments of uh, politics today that somehow trying to take common sense voter integrity measures is somehow suppressing uh, uh, the vote, uh, somehow implementing Jim Crow 2.0 or something like that. It's just absurd. And frankly, I think those comparisons are actually insulting uh, to folks who had to suffer under actual Jim Crow era laws. Uh, And so, you know, if you look at what's actually being proposed and done in states like Georgia and states like Texas that have actually taken election integrity seriously, actually passed common sense reform measures, you know, when you actually drill down and look at what they're doing, requiring things like photo ID to vote in person and by absentee ballot, requiring clear procedures for who can vote, where they can vote, how they can vote, and how the vote should be tabulated. You know, most voters support those types of measures, again, because they're helping to set clear rules of the road and make sure that everyone's vote, regardless of race, gender, political party, any other characteristic, that each vote will be counted and that no illegally cast or ineligible votes uh, will be counted to, to dilute those legitimate votes. One of the concerns, I think that's brilliant, I, one of the concerns I have, and many have, is the equipment. You know, in media, foreign entities cannot own, well, didn't used to be able to own our media because they knew that that was a way of manipulating people because we had witnessed it in the past where media and propaganda is used to alter public perception. So I want to go to a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the foreign-owned and foreign-built equipment that has been generating our votes. You're listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. I would like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. KW Photography and Design, a beautiful photographer, does great graphics and web design. We'll be right back. This is Jen. Welcome back to Success Happens. And I have with me today Zach 
Smith, who is a fellow with the Heritage Foundation and the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. We're talking about election integrity primarily today, of course. That really, when you look at election integrity, it really infiltrates every aspect of our lives. Because, you know, some of us feel that the election was a fraudulent election, then we end up with people who don't represent us and, frankly, could be doing us harm. So, you know, we have to be interested in in making sure that our vote counts. I want to go back to what, what we were talking about before for the break, which is that no foreign-owned equipment should be or systems should be processing or counting our votes. So we know that these votes were sent through satellite, I believe, over to Italy. You know, foreign entities had their hands in our election process. The Smartmatic systems and the Dominion software, all of that is integrated into our election process. And we know, because I've had guests on talk about it, it's that was also used in Venezuela to swing the elections fraudulently there to take over and create a socialist state there. So we're, we're very concerned, Zach, that, frankly, people are saying, let's just go to paper ballots. We'll count them, you know. We count them, you know, one Republican, one Democrat, one vote at a time. Why do we even need this equipment? I think it ought to be banned. Well, look, I, I think there are, there are a couple of different points there. One is, you know, I think going forward for 2022, 2024, you're going to see a, a series of election best practices that we at the Heritage Foundation are going to put out. And one of those best practices is going to be the machines that are actually uh, – were votes are cast on should not be connected to the internet for the very reason you mentioned. You don't want anyone to be able to hack into those machines to be able to manipulate the vote tallies or the vote totals. And so those should be uh, separate machines that are not on a connected system. Along with that, you know, unfortunately, one of the things we saw this past election cycle, there was a lot of confusion over uh, election observers where they could observe, when they could observe, which parts of the electoral process they could observe. And so I think it's very important for states uh, and local governments to make clear that election observers are permitted to review the electoral process. They're permitted to review the machinery that's used and that they're permitted to review essentially all parts of the electoral process, including having access to the polling places before the elections, the actual vote casting actually begins and staying there through the vote tabulating and tallying process. And so making sure that these elections and the election processes are as open and accessible as possible is a very important part of combating any fraud or abuse. And so setting clear rules for that now, I think, will go a long way toward helping alleviate uh, some of the problems we saw in 2020. So let's talk about the 2020 for a minute. If indeed they find fraud, we know it's occurred. It's just the degree to which they're willing to either A, admit it, or B, the courts will allow it. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But when fraud occurs, fraud eviscerates all things, right? So if indeed they found, let's say, that there was fraud in one of these four counties or all of them here in Maryland that we mentioned, Hartford, Anne Arundel, Carroll, Frederick, where it went to 34 to 37%, you know, vacant lots had people registered in voting, okay? Apartments. Two-bedroom apartments would have 
tens or 20 people voting out of that one unit. Just It's just not reality, right? So we know that there were well, abuses. Does fraud eviscerate the results of the election? Well, I want to step back, uh, Jim, because you're raising a very good point. And this is something we saw in many states. We saw folks with duplicate registrations. We saw folks who are registered to vote at vacant lots, who are registered to vote at commercial addresses. Uh, we saw multiple unrelated people registered uh, at a single address. And all of that really goes to, unfortunately, many states do not have very accurate or up-to-date voter registration rules. And so they don't take the effort to actually go through their roles, make sure they're accurate and up-to-date, and investigate these anomalies like you're talking about. And so one of the most important things that any state election official can do is make sure that their voter rolls are accurate and up-to-date. And part of what all states should be doing, and I hope Maryland will begin doing this, is that they should run their voter registration rolls against certain databases, things like the DMV, the Social Security Administration, uh, death records uh, within Maryland, uh, to make sure that they are uh, catching uh, any of those uh, mistaken or, you know, fraudulent uh, voter registrations. And if election officials do that, uh, that is one of the easiest and most effective ways uh, to being proactive and getting out in front of, of many of these problems. Okay, boy, that's a, a mountain of things to deal with. First of all, having managed a nonprofit and knowing that my donor, my donor database was my gold, right? Same with the, right. the voter rolls, right? That's your gold in, in the election process. So there's a couple of questions. Either when were they added? Two, have they been there forever and they just never bothered to clean them up because it was served them to leave it messy, right? So I think that we have to be able to go back and say when – because we know when the mail-in voter process was added because of the pandemic, now all of a sudden there was a, a barrage – Right. Of newly added. So, yes, you could blame it on messy voter rolls, but I suspect it's more about the more recent added ones that were fraudulently added. Then it's a different. It's not I didn't clean my house. It's I you know, I let the bad guys in. Well, look, one of the other things we saw in 2020, there was a massive push to vote by mail. And we know that voting by mail is inherently less secure than actually having to go to a polling place, identify who you are, and casting your ballot in person. And so when you combine the explosion in voting by mail along would be inaccurate uh, and, you know, uh, ineffective voter registration list that many states have, you can see it's a recipe for mistakes, errors, and fraud to occur. And so, again, you know, going forward, uh, two of the most fruitful areas that states can focus on, and if you want to contact your state legislators and tell them to take action, two of the most effective things uh, that folks can do is tell them. Make sure you're implementing procedures so that election officials have to maintain the accuracy and completeness of their voter registration rolls and push for as many people as possible to go to the polls and vote in person, which is an inherently more secure process. So you're listening to Success Happens. I have with me today Zach Smith. We're going to take a quick break. I want to come back with Zach and talk about 
the boards of elections. I think we need to deal with our local boards of elections and, frankly, the state of Maryland board of elections and make sure that they're doing their jobs properly because we pay for them to do so. You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. KW Photography Design and Flamingo Pool Supply. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have with me today Zach Smith, who's a legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation. It's always a pleasure to have heritage representatives on with us. You bring such knowledge, experience, and and integrity, really, to the process of understanding these big issues. If somebody wants to donate to the Heritage Foundation, go to heritagefoundation.org. It's a great organization, and frankly, they rely on our generosity to do the work that they do. Let's go back to boards of elections and let's talk about, Zach, what can we do at the local levels to ensure, like you're saying, best practices? And we'll look for Heritage Foundation to share that information with us. And when we get those best practices, I'm assuming you'll put it in some format that we can disseminate. Then we need to go to our local boards and, frankly, our state board and say, look, it's no longer acceptable for you to run this the way you've been running it. Well, I think you need to make sure that whenever uh, some, if these are elected positions, that the individuals running for those positions are committed uh, to implementing uh, many of these common sense best practices. And if they're appointed positions, you know, you, your listeners, others who are interested and care about these issues, as everyone should, uh, should apply and get involved as much as possible and then make sure that uh both elected and appointed officials are actually following through implementing uh, these processes and procedures, and then at the end of the day, following the law and not making unilateral changes uh, that will and could affect the outcome of the election. Boards of elections, in, in my understanding, how it works is their uneven number, and the dominant majority is given to the party in power. So in the case of Frederick County, Jan Gardner is a Democrat, so they have a majority of Democrats, supposed to be a bipartisan board, so that both parties are represented. In other words, it doesn't allow for it to be all Democrats. They have to have both parties represented, correct? So I'm not sure about the exact process in Maryland, but I will tell you this, Jen. One of the best things that states can do, and unfortunately we haven't seen many states do this, and Maryland has not done this yet, is the state legislature should pass a law that would allow individual citizens of the state uh, to basically bring a lawsuit against election officials who do not follow the law or who change the law uh, and change the rules and procedures of elections and basically bring a lawsuit and force that person uh, to do their job and follow the law uh, as it's written. And so if there's a concrete action that the state of Maryland could take, uh, that would certainly be a great place to start and one that would likely uh, let election officials know all the way uh, from the highest ranking officials down to the local board of election officials know that if they don't do their jobs, uh, they could be facing potential lawsuits uh, from citizens of Maryland uh, who want them uh, to do their jobs as they should. Well, an interesting story I'll just share with you. A friend of mine was uh, getting trained to be an election judge. 
And it was here on the Golden Mile in, in Frederick. They brought in trainers from, get this, Baltimore City. And this uh, young lady friend of mine is 60s, I think. In other words, she's not 20-something, right? But they came to her and they said, oh, well, it's very long hours. You know, you have to get here very early in the morning. And you could be here till very early in the next morning. Kind of almost talk her out of it. First of all, we shouldn't have Baltimore City training our people. Second of all, I think that brings concern to me at election polls. A lot of times Republicans aren't present, particularly in Democrat precincts. So we have to show up. That means we have to get trained and we have to get trained by people we trust who are from our community. How do we go about that? Sure. So I think if folks are looking for an easy way to get involved, uh, you should sign up to be a poll watcher. Uh, it doesn't. This is not something uh, that has to be done through the local election officials office. Uh, you certainly can volunteer to to work the polls through the local elections uh, officials office. Uh, but poll watchers are basically there to ensure the integrity of the process. And typically, uh, there are Democratic and Republican poll watchers present at a polling place. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. They're there to ensure that all parts of that election process run appropriately and that there's no funny business taking place. And so basically what a poll watcher would do, they would show up, uh, watch the votes being cast, make sure there's no uh, you know, inappropriate activity taking place, making sure that you know, eligible voters are the ones casting ballots. And then in an ideal world, they would also be allowed to stay and watch the vote tabulation. Uh, process as well. And getting involved in that way, it's an easy way and a great way uh, to help make sure that our elections are running smoothly and that everything is fair and above board. Robin Sachs, it's so great to have you with us. You started the Maryland Voter Integrity Group. And in speaking with Zach Smith, I thought it would be great to bring the three of us together here in Maryland, looking at our election integrity to ensure that the 2020 election was handled properly. And it sounds like to me you have some doubts, but I also want you to give us some updates. So if you could briefly tell people what your doubts are about the 2020 election. Thanks, Jen. And so great to meet you, Zach. Um, I, at this point, with all of the evidence that we have gathered, including the very important Um, research that Draza Smith did into Maryland showing that a computer algorithm ran throughout the election. Um, And it's very apparent to see after something which she calls a hard reset, um, where the proportion of votes for Biden and Trump stays the exact same for the next few hours, which does not happen in nature. Um, I feel 100 percent certain that this 2020 election was fraudulent, 100 percent. Got that. Now, Robin, let me ask you this. Do you think that the state of Maryland should do an election audit? And if so, what type of audit should they do? Because there's a couple different kinds. Right. Well, what we're pushing for is a Arizona-style full forensic audit of the 2020 election, including examining those routers, which we have come to find are attached to the poll books, 
And the reason this is such a huge concern is if I know what I have from early voting, if I know what I need, and then if I don't have what I need, I can just dip into inactive voters, which, by the way, we are finding. Um, we are finding people got activated again that had not been active for three presidential election cycles. They should not even be on the voter rolls anymore. So the fact that in Hartford County and Carroll County, we are finding inactive voters that have been activated. I don't even know how it happened. Um, but that is seriously concerning because that does mean when you have networked computers, uh, these voting machines, and you leave these elections open for days on end, you can just, as Dan Cox calls it, you can bookend the election. You know what you have, you know what you need, and you can just, um, hack in and, and get what you need. And fill in the blanks. Okay, so yeah. Robin, tell us about some exciting updates that you have. Do you have any information you'd like to share in terms of where we are currently in this process? Yes. Um, I feel we had some big news because I had a whistleblower get in touch with the organization. He said he was an election judge in Rockville. Um, he saw some anomalies, and he let the chief election judge know um, he didn't want to sign off on it. And then he brought that to the Maryland Board of Elections. Um, someone at the Maryland Board of Elections said to him, we switched network providers in 2020, um, and we had some problems. And he said, are you telling me these machines are networked? And she said, yes, they are. Um so all of that stuff that you heard about air gaps and all of that bull is not true. These machines are networked. These machines can be hacked. And I think just based on a computer algorithm running, these machines were hacked. Okay. Now, Robin, one last point, and then I'm going to say thank you for calling and let you go. Were these uh, algorithms, you said, I heard you say at some point, they were standard 4.3% across. It's just, it's not possible, like you say, in nature for it to be that consistent. Wasn't there a standard percentage that they that they altered these? Yeah, I mean, that was what Dr. Shiva found. Um, Draza Smith, and you can go onto our website at mdvoter.org, and if you scroll down, you'll see you can sign the petition for a full forensic audit, but then scroll down to press releases. Um, you have to go back a couple. You'll see the one about the algorithm, and you'll see their apparent target, and then you'll see where they did a reset, and then you'll see how it stays the same between the two candidates um, from that point on in the election. So I think it's pretty apparent. Um, I actually have a podcast with Erin Clements, the professor's wife. She's an engineer, and she's very good at making the algorithm simple. So we're going to do something with her because I know the algorithm is the thing that so many delegates and senators, they have an issue with it because it seems so unbelievable. But I feel that we have the proof. And I am very concerned about this because all of the states that I've seen so far in terms of the legislation that they're introducing for election integrity, none of them talk about the machines. And the machines have to go. We want paper ballots with a hand count until we can get an Arizona-type system that's going to be 
serial numbered ballots, you know, a blockchain where you can check your vote. I mean, look at California. They go to vote and they're told they've already voted. Well, that was what Liz Harris was talking about when she was mentioning, what did she call them, lost votes. So our election system is a joke. It's a disaster. It needs to be scrapped. And uh, we need to go back to paper ballots until we can figure this out. All right, Robin, thank you so much for calling into Success Happens. As always, it's great to have you with us and keep up the good fight. We're all behind you. How do people follow you in the Voter Integrity Group? Yeah, so um, if they go to mdvoter.org, we have all of our social media links there. We do have a very active private Facebook group and a fairly large Telegram group. Um, MD Audit Chat is the Telegram group. So all of the links are at the website, mdvoter.org. Great. Thank you so much, Robin. Have an awesome day. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Success Happens. We have Zach Smith with us from Heritage Foundation, and we'll be right back. This is Jen. Welcome back to Success Happens, and I have Zach Smith with me. And I, Zach, I really am curious about your thoughts. You know, look, there are there were certainly many, many problems with the 2020 election, and it's important to get out in front and try to correct those problems so that we don't repeat them in 2022 and 2024. Now, there were certainly very serious allegations, you know, that the 2020 election was fraudulent, and I think it's important to get proof to support those types of claims. And so certainly finding out what happened in 2020 is important. But look, we know common sense measures that we can implement going forward. Many of the things that you and I talked about, uh, Jen. And so if states are serious about electoral reform, they can specifically target on things like making sure their voter rolls are accurate and up to date. Uh, They can make sure that folks are required to show photo ID when they're casting a ballot, whether that's in person or voting by absentee ballot. And then states can also make sure that their election machines, those types of things, are not connected to the Internet. And if states begin proactively taking steps like those, uh, you know, we'll be in a much better position in 2022 and 2024 than we were uh, during the 2020 election. Excellent. Well, listen, it has been a pleasure to have you on. And I understand one of your colleagues, Hans, has authored yet another book. Can you share with us about that information? Because he is also an expert in election integrity. Hans Hanswikowski, my colleague at the Heritage Foundation, and John Fudd, who's a, an author over at the National Review, have a new book coming out in November of this year. It's called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. And it basically takes a deep dive by behind the 2020 elections, uh, talks about many of the problems that occurred, and again, how to fix those problems uh, going forward. Uh, So I encourage uh, everyone to go out, uh, check it out, and, and get a copy to find out what happened and how we can fix it moving forward. That was Zach Smith with the Heritage Foundation, and now I'd like to bring on Jim Simpson, who is an author who has just written a book. He's studied his life's work really has been studying Marxism. Welcome to Success Happens, Jim. Hey, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Great to have you. And we just have a couple minutes together, but I wanted to make sure everybody had the opportunity to learn about your book and where they can find it because it's very informative. Tell us, first of all, why did you write this book? Okay. Well, the name of the book is Who Was Karl Marx? The men, the motives, and the menace behind today's rampaging American left. And I think the title really pretty much tells the whole story. 
you know, as things unfolded after Joe Biden took the uh, <clears throat> seat in the White House and everything just went backwards and upside down, I felt like this was a very urgent time for me to bring out everything that I know about Karl Marx and communism generally, having studied it over over 30 years. And what we're seeing today being played out on the streets, whether it's Portland with Antifa or whether it's in the halls of Congress or with all the lunatic things that uh, Biden is doing, it's all part and parcel of the same agenda. And I explain that very thoroughly in my book. So we've been talking about election integrity this morning. How does Marxism comport with the election integrity concerns that we have that the 2020 election was fraudulent, was substantially fraudulent? In other words, enough to make it be a different outcome. Yeah. No, I I think there's little doubt of that. Uh, You know, even just the way they changed procedures, whether you believe that, uh, you know, communist China uh, altered the the uh, outcomes in the machine uh, voting system or not, just the uh, really illegal and unconstitutional uh, changes they made to the election procedures were enough. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have tried since 2019 to get all mail-in voting. They've essentially tried to seize the entire voting process and federalize it. And as we know, the Constitution calls for that to be a state's rights um, uh, business. And so the reason that it all fits together is because first you have to understand the basic slogan of all Marxists and, in fact, and most Democrat Party members today, which I would argue most of them are Marxist, is the ends justify the means. They are willing to do absolutely anything that they get away with to uh, seize and hold power. And really what most people don't understand about communism, uh, which I explain also in depth in the book, it's the um, sales pitch. The reality is that communism is a body of strategies that have been uh, successful more than any other in delivering its practitioners into positions of power and wealth from which they cannot be removed. And so greedy, selfish, very malevolent, absolutely immoral people who see nothing but an opportunity for absolute power and wealth in this system are the kinds of people that we get And that's what we're seeing today happening all over our country. Well, you know, Jim, one thing I want to mention that I feel strongly about is that there's a, you know, the 80-20 rule. 80% is really what's happening. The 20 is kind of the fringe. I think Mm -hmm. if you look at this election, I I suspect that it's more like the 80-20 rule. You know, they want to say that Biden, who, you know, was in his basement, didn't come out for air. uh, Right won over Trump, that the whole thing is completely absurd. So I think that maybe 20 percent, your diehard communist liberals here probably did Mm -hmm. vote for him. But he sure didn't get 
you know, the majority <laughs> to well, warrant the, him, him getting, um, we'll, we'll call it resident in chief. So right. what I, what I just like to say, first of all, is thank you for writing the book. Thank you for bringing the information mm-hmm. out. Can you please tell people the name of the book and yep. where they can find it? Yep, absolutely. And I will add that I have the largest uh, chapter in the book is called Back from the Brink, a Comprehensive Plan to Save America. And it has extensive proposals about vote fraud, which is another uh, uh, policy that I've been working on for a very long time. And uh, so there's some good stuff in there about that. It's called Who Was Karl Marx? The Men, the Motives, and the Menace Behind Today's Rampaging American Left. It has been um, endorsed by Wayne Allen Root, by Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, Trevor Loudon, and others. Uh, It's been a bestseller at Amazon in numerous categories. The best way to get it is to just go to my website, which is crisisnow.net, crisisnow.net, and there's a description of the book and a link to the Amazon page where you can buy it. Also, you could, or you could just go directly to Amazon and search under the name or under my author name, James Simpson. Go to crisisnow.net, which also has an archive of my articles going all the way back to 2005. All right. Uh, Jim, can you go ahead and give the name of the book one more time, please? Certainly. It's called Who Was Karl Marx? The Men, the Motives, and the Menace Behind Today's rampaging American left. Well, there you have it, and I I think you probably summed it up in a lot of in a lot of ways. I look forward to reading it. Thank you for my complimentary copy. Please support uh, Jim. Get the information. Share it with people. At this point, information is power, and we are in an information war. And if we Absolutely. don't speak up and disseminate the information. It's not going to get out there. I want to tell you that I just saw a tweet by WBAL-TV, a major media network station in Baltimore that was suppressed by Twitter from a week ago or so that stated the harmful effects of the vax. So when Twitter, a high-tech company, suppresses the information of a major media outlet in a major U.S. city and keeps the information from the people, that is communism. Yeah, that's malevolent. That is outrageous. And yes, that's right. These people are literally out to destroy this country. And we got to get real about this. So for the 20% of you, they're probably not listening to this station, but of those people out there who are on track to try and destroy our country, we are putting you on notice. It ain't happening. (laughs) Yeah. We are, we are, we are putting you on notice that we are standing up for our country, for our rights, for our freedoms. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank Dan Cox running for governor, who's fighting for our freedoms because it's not okay. What governor Hogan has done to send his minions out from the health department, no less and okay, now OSHA is going to be the Gestapo on behalf of Biden. I mean, the whole thing is nuts. So thank you, Jim. We appreciate you so much. God bless you. We will have you back here on Success Happens. Everybody, have a great week. 
Make a difference. Stand up for your rights. Don't give in to the pressures around you. You know what's right. Don't be afraid to stand up and tell the truth to your friends and your family, even when they don't want to hear it. You've been listening to Success Happens on Free Talk 930 WFMD. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. KW Photography Design and Flamingo Pool Supply. God bless you. We love you.